At the Commonwealth Policy Foundation, we try to approach the issues of life, marriage, religious liberty, and fiscal integrity from a biblical perspective that promotes thoughtfulness and kindness. We work with political leaders and concerned citizens from all across the state. To stay informed, visit CommonwealthMatters.org and sign up for our e-newsletter. The Commonwealth Policy Foundation is a nonprofit organization that only exists because of friends like you. Thanks for tuning in to the Commonwealth Matters. Welcome to the Commonwealth Matters. I'm Richard Nelson, Executive Director of CPC. What is the role of the church in culture? Should pastors speak to issues of the day from the pulpit? To what extent should Christians be involved in politics? These are some of the questions that we're going to unpack on today's edition. And joining us on the program is Brant Lyon, pastor, friend, and all-around good guy. Brant, welcome to the program. Hey, great to be with you. Thank you for asking. Hey, this is like old times. Uh, Full full disclosure for all the listeners, uh, Brant is an old friend. Uh, We go back to our days in Hopkinsville. Uh, Brant, you've had me speak at your various churches that you've pastored. We've done a radio program in the past. And now we find ourselves here in central Kentucky, yeah. uh, just 30 minutes from each other. Wonderful yeah. thing, isn't it? Yeah, it's like it's a kind reunion. kind of funny how God keeps kind of pushing us around together, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, and it's great to have yeah. you in the CPC studio for yeah. us to talk about these issues. This is, this is deja vu. Mm-hmm. I mean, we used to 10, 12 years ago, we did a regular program uh, talking about moral and social and cultural issues from a biblical worldview. And, you know, a lot has happened. Uh, in the last uh, 10 years. Um, I don't know if you could have imagined 10 years ago that we'd be dealing with things that we're dealing with today. I don't know if you saw yesterday or just the other day that uh, the front cover of Sports Illustrated Swimsuit Edition, I don't get that, by the way, for the record. <laughs> this is a news item I came across, but <laughs> the on the front cover was a transgender man. Yeah, Looks like a woman. That's yeah. the now, that sports issue never came up ten or twelve years ago, did it? Yeah, no. I mean, the transgender was a non-issue. Exactly. It was a, it was a dysphoria, yeah. and it was treatable, and it was something that uh, we just didn't think about. And it's amazing how quickly all of those things have come around, and our culture has changed <laughs> so quickly. You know, as you introduced the program, you're talking about how to how to pastors uh, should we preach these things from the pulpit? Should we talk about them? And the truth is, it's come at us so quickly that we're looking at it going, okay, what do I say? How do I say it? What, and and we, we're watching people, people around us, other pastors who are gung-ho about addressing it, and you add cancel culture to it and the difficulties they're going to it for addressing it in wrong yeah. ways as they try to figure it out. It's a different, different world we're living in, that's for it, sure. It, it's very different. Now, you were in, you came up from Paducah, of course. Mm-hmm. You were in, grew up in Hopkinsville. That's where we got to that's know correct. each other, pastored a church there. Then you moved to Paducah, pastored a church there for mm-hmm. several years. Now you're up to in the Lexington area. You're well, in, planting a campus in Georgetown. Yeah. yeah. Tell us about that. Before we go too much into the weeds on Christians and politics, uh, what? Uh, how's the church plant going? Really, really well. I'm still on the very uh, front end of it. Uh, I started at Emmanuel in uh, March of this year. Emmanuel Baptist Church Emmanuel in, Baptist Lexington. in Lexington. In mm-hmm. Lexington. Mm-hmm. Uh, with this vision, uh, our pastor Ray Green had the vision of uh, planting this campus and expanding our presence over in that area, and uh, we're not looking to actually launch it until February. So we've taken a nice long time to try to form this thing up, 
So the first few months has really been getting to know Emmanuel's culture, getting to know the people. And we've got a core right now of about 40 to 50 people put together that I really feel like are, are gung-ho. We'd like to see uh, that rise even out of the people from Emmanuel in the next uh, next few months. So that's kind of where we're at, kind of forming up that community right now. In the fall, we're going to begin doing uh, some, some worship nights uh, mm-hmm. on Sunday evenings. I think we're going to do one uh, in September. Uh, October and November, mm-hmm. uh, we're going to have a Christmas Eve service over in Georgetown. Mm-hmm. And so we've got several events that are forming up for the fall. And again, February launch is what we're looking at. Brent, what are some of the challenges that you find in planning a church? What are, I can't imagine, I'm not a pastor, I've never planted a church, but in Kentucky, you think of, we're in the Bible Belt, right? There's yeah. churches everywhere. I mean, do you ever hear the charge that, yeah, there's already enough churches, why are you planning another one? That's an interesting question, and let me state very clearly, um, the Bible Belt is no more. I mean, let's just be honest about it. We, even when we lived in West Kentucky, yeah. we were beginning to see a trend there where the vast amount of people in the community didn't go to church on a regular yeah, basis anymore. That's right. That's, right. So that's a misnomer, and I, you know, it's, it's one of those things that I was still trying to t- teach the church people in my church— <laughs> They still assumed it was. Their friends all went to church because their friends were all in our church. They didn't realize that time period had passed them by. Mm. Now, translate that to Georgetown, which is a little further outside of that West Kentucky area. Oh, yeah. say different climate, different culture. You're in the Golden Triangle, right? Exactly. Between Lexington, Louisville, and Northern Kentucky, and it's right there. And it's much different than what I was used to in many different ways. Uh, but here's a statistic that's really interesting. There's 57,000 people in Scott County. Uh, on a given Sunday morning, there's approximately 7,000 people in the churches. That's 12% of the people in Scott mm. County that are in a church on a given Sunday, mor- Sunday morning. Wow. Wow. And so when you talk about the needs that, that are there, it's huge how many unchurched people there are. And you couple that with the fact that Georgetown is the fastest growing community in Kentucky. <laughs> it's doubled in population over the last 20, 20 years. Wow. It's immense, the growth that is coming there. And so I was talking to um, the president of the Chamber of Commerce the other day uh, and discussing the fact that it's growing so quickly, it's outgrowing our own infrastructure. I mean, every part of life, every um, every different industry and all, it, it, there's more people than they can accommodate, and they're not setting up a new infrastructure quick enough. Yeah. Uh, and that goes for churches. There's mm-hmm. more people coming in than churches can accommodate. And quite honestly, too, and I want to be real careful, there's some really good churches at Georgetown. Mm-hmm. Um, but but maybe churches as a whole are kind of settled into not really going out and doing the outreach that's needed yeah. to bring in new people. There's just a huge mission field so, there. So do you find that when you reach out to people and talk to people about the faith that they say, well, I'm a Christian, or I was you know, baptized when I was eight years old, ten, nine years old, and um, you, I really don't need to go to church, or I'm not, I did that, I, I, I believe in Jesus, I, I do church on my own. I, I was just had a conversation the other day with somebody who said, you know, the church isn't a building, it's the people. Well, I agree with that. And I also talked about if you uh, want to grow closer to God and walk in the faith and be encouraged in the faith. Uh, then you get with his people. You sit under the teaching of Absolutely. the word and that kind of thing. But do you have those conversations? Where- yeah, from time to time. There is certainly that that population that, that uh, uh, like you said, they they saved at an early age. and Maybe they don't see the need. I think what we're running into more and more now is, is people that just see church as irrelevant. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and the sad thing is the mm-hmm. church has done a horrible job at showing the importance of the gospel for, for every life, for every yeah. person. Yeah. Uh, you know, when you have a whole culture, especially what we would have considered at one time to be the Bible Belt, where people don't see the relevance of the gospel, yeah. we've yeah. done a very poor job. Yeah. Um, but that's probably what I see more than anything is just people who maybe they've gone to church or maybe they haven't. They just don't see it as relevant. I want to talk about that, Brant, because we're, we live in a postmodern, post-truth, yes. secular culture where I grew up uh, where the spiritual was separated from the secular realm. There's a spiritual-secular dichotomy. Mm-hmm. And it was okay to have spiritual beliefs. It was okay to go to church on Sunday mornings. It's okay if you pray. But when it comes to living out or articulating those spiritual beliefs, those biblical beliefs right. in public, that's where the rub is. That's where that's where the challenge is. Certainly. And it seems that because we've had a few generations that have lived with that spiritual secular divide where we have kept the faith to ourselves, where we don't bring the biblical principles or our biblical values into our lives openly and publicly, it seems that that has uh, worked against the church. So I think when we were growing up, it was, you don't talk about politics and, and religious uh, things in polite hey, company. That's right. By the way, we're going to talk about both on this program right now. <laughs> Praise God like for that. <laughs> so, And I think the left has done a good job of further separating those two things and almost demonizing you if you brought these things up in in a secular realm. And um, the sad thing is, I think we as Christians have bought that lie. So much so that that we're scared to death to bring it. But I've oftentimes told people, we were talking about it in in reference to uh, evangelism. One day I was talking to a friend, and we were talking about how difficult it is to bring up spiritual things. And I said, listen, what you need to remember in evangelism is you don't have to always... you don't always have to do evangelism in such a way that you're condemning another person or telling them how they ought to be. What you can do in a conversation is apply your faith to your own life and what a difference it's made in your life. That's right. Uh, And if if they think that's impolite, then I think you can easily come back to them and say, well, this is my experience. If, If this is my experience and my faith is a part of my everyday life, then it ought to be a part of my everyday conversation. You know, if we're talking, you know, a few minutes ago, we were talking about my son and a, and a car wreck he had, and we started talking about insurance and yeah, how that yeah, applied. And, yeah. Well, that's a part of my life that came up in the natural conversation. Well, how often does somebody say something that in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, well, spiritually, I believe this. Yeah. Why can't that come out in the conversation as easily as anything else? I think, and that's that's really good because we this is part of who we are. We are spiritual beings. Yes. We're spiritual and we're physical. But uh, we know that we live in a broken, fallen world. That's we right. know that our we're, we're fallen creatures, and I think at a at a basic level, we all know that something's wrong. Yes, we all know that there's a God. I mean, we're, Scripture tells us that that our conscience tells us that we know that there's a God. Yes, uh, we work really hard at suppressing that truth. I think of in Romans chapter one, I believe it is. There's a phrase that says, and they suppress the truth in all unrighteousness. That's right. And when you think of suppressing, you're talk you think of this I have this image of like truth popping up mm-hmm. here and here. And there's an active pushing down, suppressing. We're gonna push the truth down here and push it down there. 
But God's truth is all around us. We, you know, we read the psalmist says, the heavens declare the glory of God. You look at the stars in the sky at night, Brandt, and you realize that that, that ain't no accident. That's right. <laughs> That's, there's something behind that. That is too awesome and too majestic for it to just happen by chance, really. Well, I think you 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 mentioned a second ago that we all recognize that there's a brokenness, there's, that there's these difficulties, and, and when you have those problems, there's only two ways to really deal with it: either you justify your sin and the brokenness and yeah. when brought, what brought you there, or you repent of it. And mm. and of course, our culture today is uh, we want to go down that road of justification yeah. of okay, let's cover over, it. let's let's take what once would have been called sin, and let's just say that it's not sin, and therefore that heals the brokenness because it's no longer broken if I call it that's right. something that's right. Yeah. The problem is it's still broken. Yeah, I've just covered over it, glossed over it, and tried to make it something that it wasn't. Uh, but of course, the, the core of the gospel, and I think this is where we have to speak as believers in the church today, is the core of the gospel is, yes, we are broken, and the answer to that brokenness is repentance and faith in the one who can heal us and redeem us. And and I've said this over and over again to people in my Sunday school class and in my churches, is that if the church doesn't say that that thing, yeah. repentance and faith is the, the, the answer to the brokenness, you're not going to get it from anywhere else. And the sad thing is the church has relied so much, and, and I want to be real careful here because I know that you do great work yeah. uh, in the legislative process, mm-hmm. but I think sometimes people in our church rely on that so much that they forget. Our politicians aren't going to be the ones that preach the gospel and yeah. tell the truth about yeah. that. Our presidents are not going to be the ones that say, our we need to repent as a nation. Yeah. We're yeah. just, we're not at that point that a president's going to say that. Right. The church is where people will hear that message. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's good. That's good. And I want us to pick up and unpack that to a larger extent when we come back from the break. What is a Christian's role in government? Should yes. Christians be involved in politics and in elections? And then how does that look in a healthy, biblically grounded, God-honoring way? If you're just tuning in, you're listening to the Commonwealth Matters. I'm Richard Nelson here with Brant Lyon. We're going to take a break. And we'll be back in just a moment. Hi, Richard Nelson here with the Commonwealth Policy Center. It's clear that we're living in confusing and challenging times where law and culture are increasingly hostile to Christian values. So how do you maintain your faith and convictions? That's a question that we're helping to answer at our Christianity and Culture Conferences. The goal is to help believers to understand the culture and how to respond in an effective and winsome way. And we'd love for you to join us. The first two were well-received, and we look forward to seeing you at our fall conferences in Bowling Green, Paducah, and in Somerset. To find out more, go to CommonwealthPolicyCenter.org. That's CommonwealthPolicyCenter.org, and we look forward to seeing you there. Welcome back to the Commonwealth Matters. I'm Richard Nelson, Executive Director of the Commonwealth Policy Center, here with Brant Lyon, and we are talking about Christianity and culture. And just before the break, Brant, we were talking about, uh, you were sharing with uh, maybe some of the imbalance that some Christians may look for their hope in the political realm. I think that's what you were alluding mm-hmm. to. Yes. And uh, we, we go back a long ways where we've been in various battles together. Mm-hmm. I think of one uh, in Paducah just a couple years ago where there was an ordinance that the city commission was considering that elevated LGBT identity to civil rights status. Now, you and I, uh, 
actually you hosted a very good meeting for us. I remember mm-hmm. the pastors from the different area churches you brought in a Chick-fil-A lunch, mm-hmm. had a really good discussion yes, about did. that. How should we think biblically? How should we engage? And it was a, it was a good meeting. Uh, we got pushback, though. Um, the LGBT community in Paducah is very active. Oh, absolutely. Uh, and they were also very irate <clears throat> that there were a group of Christians that uh, were going to get involved with this. They thought that our faith, that we were imposing our faith, that we were trying to tell them how to live. And uh, that wasn't the case. Not at all. We, we, we believe that there are policies that are good and healthy and lead to human flourishing, and there are policies that undermine those things. We yes. just happen to believe that elevating LGBT status to protected civil right was not a good thing. Yeah, that was an interesting time. I remember I wrote a, um, a letter to the editor of the paper that they published during that time, and it was funny that... My point in the in the letter was simply this that um they um we we didn't have a lot of disagreements within the community. We had a lot of unity within the community. I mean, yes, you had a huge you had a huge art district down there, yeah. and the, there was a, a a lot of people from the LGBT community in that. Uh, but of course, it was still West Kentucky. There was a large contingency of uh, Bible believing Christians, mm-hmm. and we all got along. I mean, you yeah. didn't see anybody going into a, to some believer's shop, and they said, "Well, I'm sorry, I can't serve you." We didn't yeah. see any of that. That didn't happen. No, and our our um, uh, our city commissioners chose to make an issue out of something that wasn't an issue yeah. in order to score political points. I mean, and that was my frustration, <clears throat> and I was just basically said we weren't divided, our city commissioners who were supposed to lead us divided us. Yeah. And that was my point. Of, and it was frustrating. Um, and let me be clear, you said something a minute ago, should we, should, we, uh, should we be involved in politics? And the answer is, yeah, okay. we should. Okay. Uh, I think we've got our place cut out for us because we are to be salt and light, correct? Mm-hmm. And so I think we have yeah. to do that. I think where we've got to be really, really careful is, is never to believe that that is our most important role to play. We have a role to play there, but it's based on our redemption and the gospel and how it applies in our own life. So I want to push on that a little bit or push into that. So Mm -hmm. uh, we as Americans are blessed with incredible freedom. We have a a constitution that limits and tempers our government. We have First Amendment freedoms that allow us to practice our religion, religious freedom, uh, without government interference. And when people in the church see those freedoms threatened, whether it's their free speech, which is under attack with cancel culture, right? Yeah. Whether it's the ability to gather together in a church building. We saw that during the government shutdown where some businesses and entities were allowed to remain open. Churches were ordered to remain closed. We saw a contradiction there, unfairness towards the church. What I'm getting to is when you see our freedom, in jeopardy, to what extent should Christians push on that and say that's wrong, or how how can we respond? Because let me try to put a finer point on this. I see in this like, the best example is the presidential election, mm-hmm. where uh, many Christians got behind President Trump. Mm-hmm. Uh, the secular left said, "Well, he's a man that doesn't have character. He's he's done all these things, and yet." the evangelical community got behind him in large numbers. Yeah. Um, Can that be reconciled? Can that be uh, 
uh, uh, let me. I guess I'll go further. And I'm. I'm. There's a lot here. Yeah, there uh, is. <laughs> there, and I and I want to be careful. But um, what I, my observation is this. Here's what I'm trying to get to, Brand, is that the anger and the frustration with the conservative Christian community in the direction of our country and the threats to our rights has become so real that I think they're pulling. They're saying we just need somebody to stop it. We we're going to not look at character and these right. other things. Um, and I think that was where we failed is that we, back in the Clinton days, we held up the big banners that man character was everything. But when it was our guy, all of a sudden we gave up on that idea. But, but character does matter. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I think we should have been very, very careful about that. And now I find it very frustrating mm-hmm. that we're oftentimes characterized as, I guess we're all lumped in together, mm-hmm. all those evangelicals back mm-hmm. Trump, and they were big Trump supporters. Mm-hmm. And the fact of the matter is, now look, when it came down to two choices, and one was totally antagonistic to everything I believed, and yeah. one said he would back what I believe, yeah. Yeah. okay, you sort of forced it sure. at a point there. Sure. Did, did I fully trust him? Not exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, did I feel like he was the savior? No, I did not. Yeah. And I think that's where I'm getting to. And by the way, I don't. I I know that Trump is not in office, but sure. he's he really brought a lot to the surface and a yes. lot of things for us to think about. Um, there are were some people that viewed him as the savior. Yes, right. They mixed maybe a, a, a spiritual soteriology yes. with a political deliverance of us as a nation and us right. as a people. Right, because mm-hmm. uh, we know that there's only one who can save us, and it's not the one who sits in the Oval Office at Pennsylvania Avenue. Well, of course, you, that's, that's Israel, right? That's exactly what they did. They were looking for political salvation when God was wanting to give something much greater. And I think we need to make that clear today that political salvation is not ultimately salvation. Uh, the saving of the nation, which is something we all would love. I mean, and again, I don't think it was wrong for Israel to want good things to happen in Israel, for them to go down, down the right paths. Mm-hmm. It was when that became the end-all, be-all. And I think that's where we've got to be careful. I think what you saw in all the anger and the vitriol uh, amongst especially evangelicals during during that cycle was that it became the end game. It became the ultimate hope. I think when we can back up and recognize that no matter, listen, the fact of the matter is, do I agree, agree with everything that President Biden says? Well, probably not. Is it, would he have been my choice? Probably not. I know this. God in his providence is allowing that uh, to be the scenario in the moment. And I'm okay. Yeah. There's some things we need to push for and drive for. But yeah. at the same time, whatever happens, God's still on the throne and my faith is that's in right. him. Amen. No, that's good. And I think so as, we, as a Christian, a Bible-believing Christian, I see our country as a gift. I see our freedoms that were afforded by our Constitution as things to be stewarded. Right. I see civic involvement to be critical. As Christians, we should be engaged politically. We should care about who's in office. We should work for good candidates. But to your point, we realize that regardless of the outcome of an election, God is still on the throne. That's absolutely right. And in the process, and here's really where, when I was stumbling around a minute ago, I was really trying to get to this place where if we get so bent out of shape and if we begin to lose our witness and begin to deride other people and act in an unchristlike way, I'd say we've crossed the line. Yeah. 
that we need to do a, a, a self-check, self-examination, and say, where is my hope? Where is my gospel witness? Have I, uh, am I, again, stewarding and engaging in the, in the best way I can without being off-putting, without being divisive? And, and there is a fine line, I think, that we walk in, in, in when we do that. We've got to be careful. Yes, we want to work for good candidates. We want to get involved. We want to steward the gifts we're given. And yet at the same time, as followers of Jesus, we want to make sure we do those things in the right Absolutely. way. Absolutely. Well, you know, we oftentimes hear uh, about the worst case scenarios, especially as conservatives. Well, if the left takes over and does this and that and the other, we, we're going to end up a, a socialistic nation and, and the church is going to go underground. Well, all right, let's take those things to their to the their logical conclusion, if, even if that all was to happen, which, again, that's, that's a little radical, I think. Uh, even if that were to happen. As a believer, nothing has changed for me. The mission field is still the same. The church is still there, even if it be underground. Um, nothing changes for me. Now, the reason I say that is, if if I can see God is on the throne, and whatever the scenario is, God's still in control, and everything's okay, it allows me to have a presence of mind and be able to be calm and go back after these important issues in a way that's loving, that's mature as a believer, so I, I, yeah. I guess what I'm saying there is we need to remember whatever the scenario is, God's in control, and I don't have to lose my cool. I don't have to be upset or worried yeah. about what's coming next. And yes, we go after freedom of speech. We 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 go after our our liberties as believers, but we go at it in such a way as to show the world, I believe God's in control no matter what is going on. Great things can happen when our faith uh, is when we go through the fire, when, yes. when we are refined and when we hold fast to our faith, especially through difficult times, there's something that the world sees and something, if we do it in the right way, with the right, a joyful attitude. And I read of Paul's letters uh, to the churches in the, in the New Testament where he is constantly persecuted. He's constantly suffering. Mm-hmm. He's beat up. He's, his life is threatened, and he writes with joy. That's right. He he says, I count it as pure joy yes. <laughs> when I'm suffering. Yeah. I have a hard time relating to that. But this is truth. And it yes, was it truth is. that worked through a man just like you and me. And I think when we go through a difficult political time in our country, and if we do it with the right attitude and the right spirit, if we can do it standing for truth, standing for righteousness with a joyful spirit, I think that's winsome and it's attractive. I think it is, too. Uh you know, when we look back in, in the earlier years, mm-hmm. uh, when, when we were younger, again, Bible Belt culture, everybody went to church, right? Everybody yeah, went to yeah. church, whether you believe it or not. Yeah. And and yeah. I think we would have all considered ourselves a believer. Some people just really didn't seem to be. Brent, I love that faith. Uh, love this conversation. This is a helpful conversation. I feel like we've just touched on it. But bottom line is that as Christians, we should care about our culture. We should be involved with government. We should be involved politically and helping good people to get elected. But in the end, ultimately, God is sovereign. He's in control. And at the end of the day, uh, we need to rest in that and uh, rest in the the fact that he continues to work through even difficult political times. Brant Line, it's good to have you with us, brother. Thank you. God God bless. Yeah, thank you.